Wisconsin reaches a sad milestone tonight. For the first time, the Department of Health Services reports the number of people who died from coronavirus is in the triple digits. Today's episode, I spoke with UW Health System Dr. Jeff Potoff. I'm UW Health's Chief Quality Officer, and I am part of the medical branch office for the incident command that UW Health has stood up uh, in response to Uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, Uh, and then my day job is an emergency medicine physician and a flight physician for UW Health MedFlight. About UW Health's preparedness plan for a potential surge in critical COVID-19 coronavirus cases in Madison. During a week that state and national leaders called our Pearl Harbor or our 9-11 moment. COVID-19 cases are still climbing, but there are signs things may be starting to level off. DHS numbers from today show there are more than 2,800 cases in the state, but the increase in the number of cases isn't going up as dramatically. Dr. Potoff, when did the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic begin to change your day-to-day job at UW Health? I'd say things got interesting on February 28th, and that's when we stood up our incident command center the second time. Uh, The first time was when we first heard of COVID-19 in Wuhan, China. And our process uh, before February 28th was really around the identification of travelers. And then if we had a traveler that presented to one of our sites, uh, emergency department, urgent care clinic, how would we identify them? How would we keep the patient safe? How would we keep staff safe? How would we get them tested? And then hand it off to the state to do contact tracing. And uh, and that was all well and good. It worked out pretty well. But then it was that first weekend when we first heard about cases in Iran and Italy, which seems like a lifetime ago, we started to wonder if this idea of containment, that we could just get by by identifying people who had traveled and then contain them and then contact trace was going to be enough. During that that week, as we saw the numbers increase in Italy and Iran, um, we we took a chance and said, we don't think that this is going to be contained. Uh, we think we, we may have a pandemic on our hand. Now, in retrospect, that was a great decision because we uh, deployed a ton of resources and activated a lot of people already on February 28th and then started looking at what we had for preparation plans uh, based on previous experiences, H1N1 and Ebola. We had had some plans uh, that were in place uh, as far as how would we respond to something like this then also looked through the um, uh, Health and Human Services. Uh, They have a pandemic checklist. It's just comprehensive. And then started to identify, you know, where do we have plans in place that we thought were good? Where do we not have um, concrete plans? And then how would we address that? So we created 11 different work groups, over 100 staff. Um, We had daily huddles, uh, both in the morning at like 8 o'clock and then in the afternoon at like 5 p.m. Work happening all day, and then a, a bridge call with all of our partners, uh, both uh, in in the, in the city, and then uh, you know extensions into like local and, and state government, uh, and started really working through like what what, what we would need to do. So um, we had a, a a bit of a a head start on that, um, leading into increased cases in Wisconsin, and then eventually the declaration that it was a pandemic, and then to the idea that we do have community spread in our communities. There's nothing about the health system that's normal right now. Every, and not just ours, it's every health system is really gearing up to figure out how to um, step up to this. How has your patient caseload changed over the past few weeks? We started postponing uh, non-urgent, non-emergent procedures, appointments, and things like that. Uh, And at that time, it had nothing to do with volume. It really had to do with promoting social distancing. So we didn't think that we could be telling everyone else that they need to do social distancing and then bringing hundreds of people, lots of them uh, older with comorbidities, into our buildings. So that has actually decreased our volume. 
which has been good because it's allowed us to spend a little bit more time planning, working with our staff. Uh, all our staff are trained in the use of the personal protective equipment, but we have brought up uh, sim- uh, in our simulation center the ability for staff to kind of get a refresher on, you know, how exactly do I make sure I'm using my PPE exactly the way I need to to keep uh, my patients and myself safe. We've heard from a number of state and national leaders that this week is going to be our quote-unquote Pearl Harbor or our 9-11 moment. How is the UW health system coping? Yeah, I'd say, you know, at this point we're doing okay. We can manage our COVID-19 patients kind of within the footprint of what we would call our normal capacity. Um, So our normal kind of ICU teams, um, our normal intensive care units uh, using um, all the stuff that we would typically want to use. Um, so that's been good. Um, and then also because we've uh, had the gift of time, uh, we're, you know, farther along in our progressive plans, which include, you know, where could we open up new rooms? Uh, who would staff those rooms? Uh, we've done training of nurses. I think we've uh, trained uh, over a thousand nurses now to basically function in environments that they might have been familiar with, but wasn't actually, you know, kind of their day job. They're kind of acclimated to that. Now we've begun uh, training uh, uh, docs to um, become, you know, I won't call them critical care docs, but ability to function in the critical care units. We have a handful of docs who may be a good example. One of them is a medical oncologist uh, who is usually a cancer doctor, hasn't really done inpatient medicine for a while, but um, he's now shadowing and learning how to be a critical care uh, kind of doc uh, in case we were uh, to need to um, expand and exceed our, our, our current ability of critical care docs. So that's kind of a cool thing to see. Things are going pretty well, like plans are coming together, details are getting figured out, uh, and we just appreciate the gift of time uh, that's allowing us to get all these things in place. What would you attribute that gift of time to? The actions of the state or national leaders? No, it's the community. It's the community doing their social distancing um, has, at least for the time being, flattened the curve a little bit. At least it looks like it. And that's very much appreciated because not only does it uh, you know, allow for healthcare resources to keep up with demand, uh, it also buys us some time to uh, make sure we've got just really solid plans in place. Uh, and the longer we, we do this, uh, the more time we have to, you know, potentially wait for uh, the game changers, uh, i.e. a vaccine or some sort of uh, treatment option uh, that reduces um, uh, mortality of the disease. So just um, happy that people have taken the social distancing to heart uh, and then also want to encourage them to to keep doing it. You know, want to give them kudos for doing a nice job, but don't want them to think that, they, they can stop uh, at, at this point. We're not, not quite there. Have you seen an increase in the number of critical patients over the past few weeks? I'd say we've had like a slow increase in the, um, the number of patients, including patients requiring critical care, uh, but nothing that I would call like a surge, not, you know, rapid doubling of, you know, patients who require critical care, you know, over the course of 24 hours or 48 hours, uh, like they were seeing out in New York. So um, the volumes are increasing, but not at the rate that they might have increased if uh, folks hadn't, hadn't done all this stuff. You mentioned social distancing provided time for UW Health to put plans in place to prepare for a surge of critical patients. Can you go into a little bit of detail about those plans? I can say, you know, we've uh, had the time now to evaluate basically every single clinical room that we have um, across our organization, uh, figure out, you know, can those rooms support ventilators? Is the gas supply okay? Is the flow rate of oxygen okay? Uh, It's given us time to retrain uh, a lot of our staff, like I talked about, so um, it's uh, the the staff who've been able to go through trainings if they were to be deployed uh, into, say, a COVID unit or into the inpatient environment. Uh, it's allowed us to do uh, more work with our facilities as far as air handling goes, so the ability to test and know which rooms will be able to go negative pressure, 
uh, if we need them to go negative pressure. And then it's given us time to look at supply chain stuff. Uh, so, you know, making sure that uh, we've got enough vents or that we can, you know, reprocess some of the tubes that go along with the vent to make sure that we have enough. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, those are some of the, those plans where we just we feel more confident in our ability to handle um, a surge. Uh, not so confident that um, we're not still working really hard to make sure that we've got all these details figured out and, and maybe there's even more capacity that we don't know about that we need to, to investigate. But um, it's been nice um, to have a few weeks, uh, you know, the weeks that New York didn't have to, you know, to learn from them, to learn from these other places and uh, get these things in place before we needed them. Are you anticipating a surge in critical patients? We're anticipating an increase in numbers. I think what's hard right now is um, the biggest factor in a lot of the models uh, that you see out there is this adherence to social distancing and the impact that that has on rate of growth of cases. Uh, So I know like the IHME model was predicting uh, a spike in Wisconsin this weekend or Monday, and I think that will be incorrect. Um, Other models will show that our spike is later, but they they can't quite predict it yet because it's probably, you know, too far out. It's not going to probably be in the next one to two weeks. Uh, So, you know, I think we still have some risk of getting a spike of patients here, but uh, it's hard to know uh, when that might happen. Uh, So we kind of just are still in this mode where we are preparing for uh, kind of like a New York situation where we would be called upon and we would have uh, a huge number of patients needing our services. Uh, and then we just kind of hope that that doesn't happen and we, we did all this um, to be well prepared but didn't need to actually act on it. And what can residents do to keep themselves safe and healthy and potentially prevent a surge of critical COVID-19 cases in their area? Yeah, it's really um, doing the things that you guys in the media and us as healthcare professionals uh, have been just trumpeting for the last couple weeks now. It's the idea that you practice good hand hygiene and if you're sick, you stay home. And at this point, it's really, if you don't need to be out and about, don't be out and about. Um, Take care of those basic needs. Try to stay six feet away from other people. I don't think that we're going to be successful uh, necessarily in stopping the spread of COVID-19 until the day comes that we have a vaccine or a therapy. But I think uh, in lieu of that, if we can do all these things and decrease the speed of spread, um, i.e. flatten the curve, then at least individuals who do get sick will have uh, available to them the full resources of our health systems, uh, which is a much better situation for us to be in than health systems having to figure out who gets critical resources and who doesn't. Wisconsin health officials confirm they are seeing the flattening of the curve they've been hoping for. They say that's good news and shows how well people in the state have abided by the safer at home order. Public Health Madison-Dane County says we should see our peak cases in the coming days, but that doesn't mean social distancing should stop. Especially in Dane County, we're seeing positive coronavirus tests are beginning to level off. However, many are on edge. That could change because of this week's in-person voting. From the Wisconsin State Journal, I'm Elizabeth Beyer. Thanks for listening to Front Page, a podcast that takes a look at some of the State Journal's most interesting recent stories. You can find this podcast on our website at www.madison.com slash WSJ, iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify.